Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, as always, you can call us. Well, just call us in front of the playmate because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a follow, give us a like, a share, retweet, whatever you can, whatever you can spare during this time where you need to keep a hold of all your things, dear, and hold <laughs> on to them to make sure you're all good. Anything is enjoyed or indeed a little help to us at a time when we're still trying to grow the community of Bojack Horseman and Podcast Horseman too. But if you would also like to follow either of your hosts, you can do that also. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Um, you can find this podcast everywhere you're used to finding your podcasts. If that's on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe. If it's on Spotify, you can follow. If it's on Acast, you can also subscribe. If it's on Amazon Music, get them however the hell you get them on there. Pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Podcast Horseman. There'll also be a link to the podcast that goes up every Friday on the uh, at Podcast Horseman Twitter account. That's through the Acast Play, if that's how you choose to stream them. Um, and also, if through Apple or Spotify you want to leave us a review, that would be great. It uh, fools the algorithms into thinking we have millions of more listeners than we do and mm-hmm. get a shot of them charts so we can actually one day make that a reality and for all those people that leave us a five star review with a few words in could be nasty could be nice as long as it's a few five stars we'll be reading them out on these shows uh, you'll get a star in our Hollywood talk of fame and we'll be reading another one of reviews at the end of this episode there will indeed and Michael I've heard rumours that have been floating around flirting around the sky there <laughs> that maybe just maybe we could be in line for a few stars sometime soon. Very soon, in fact, is what mm-hmm. the rumour I've heard through the grapevine from all of the people who work on this show, which is you and me. <laughs> <laughs> More on that, I guess, later on, perhaps. We'll leave some suspense there. But I will, in exchange for not giving you any more about that, let's talk about this week's episode. And let's go over the Netflix for the synopsis for this episode. This one is season four, episode seven. Episode seven, season four. How the hell did we get here? And it's called Underground. Mr. Peanut Butter's posh campaign fundraiser takes a terrifying turn as chaos swirls around them. Bojack and Diane get drunk. Michael, I feel like you and me could be Bojack and Diane here at a time where, let's call this year, the underground. (laughs) (laughs) 
God, honestly, I would be happily locked away with nothing but the booze at this point if we could just make an excuse to do that. Um, which is a little bit of a spoiler for something we're going to talk about in five minutes' time. Because this episode starts when Bojack calls Diane. Mm. Just the seven episodes into season four. But he's done it. He's Ranga. Uh, he tells her that he's back in LA. Uh, makes complete mess of apologising and earns a very frosty response from Diane, who uh, hangs up on him almost immediately. Uh, he doesn't take that no effectively lying down, probably much worse than a no. Uh, so he goes over to Diana Mr. Peanut Butter's house, but it's absolutely jam-packed full of cars outside and $20,000 per entry, as he's told by the person guarding the tour, as it turns out, as the necklace synopsis told us, is a very fancy fundraiser for Mr. Peanut Butter's Governor of California campaign. Uh, Peanut Butter comes to the door when he hears Bojack arrive, and he greets him really warmly, um, and he's really pleased to see him, but he wants that cash. He does want the money, and this time, warm is only one thing. Bojack's not getting in without paying the money first. The chat ends abruptly when uh, Peanut Butter spies Erica inside the party, which, of course, takes their error count up to 12. Uh, and back inside, uh, Princess Carolyn is also there, asking Diane where a toilet with no queue is. Not because she's pregnant, you understand, uh, because mm. saying, that, saying that would be bad luck, wouldn't it? Um Diana and Mr. Peanut Butter inside the party seem to be in good spirits compared to how we've seen them lately. Uh, but before they can get as romantically entangled as we've seen in months, that conversation is broken up by Bojack Horseman, who was paid the $20,000 to get in at the door. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter leaves them after spying his ex-wife, Jessica Beale, speaking to his ex-wife, Katrina. Uh, so he's got a fire to put out there. Diane still wants nothing to do with Bojack. Um, and Bojack looking around at Jessica Beale, and we all see Zach Braff schmoozing with other people <laughs> there, seems to want nothing to do with any of it beyond being there to speak to Diane. Um, in the meantime, Peanut Butter is at a little podium. He gives a speech praising how well Fracken has turned out, despite Diane's obvious disgust. She does want to become a little bit of a season four runner of awkwardly agreeing and going, mm-hmm, while pushing the actual words back in. Um, but Mr. Peanut Butter gets, keeps getting cut off with his speech. One of his dog senses is tingling. He keeps sensing an earthquake, but he's clearly mistaken because he gets a, whoa, shocked, but nobody else feels it. He gets a second one, and again, nobody else feels it. And then it actually happens. Panic sets about everywhere as the room starts to shake, as the floor starts to sink. Uh, we see Pinky Penguin that's at the party, who is expressing all these regrets he suddenly got. We've got various other characters, all sorts of struggles going on. <laughs> Pinky Penguin has just commissioned uh, a crap sitcom that he knows isn't going to work. There's an actor who has a tiny orgasm every time he senses a shift in power. <laughs> Another actor who has no original ideas, followed by another one who just then the first actor just repeats what that second actor said. And then Diane, who screams in the middle of the chaos, I regret everything. Uh, then it stops. Everything goes mm. silent. Everything goes still. There's a lot of, well, pregnant pauses and awkward glances. Not from Princess Carolyn. She's in the bog. But from everybody else, they all take a stare. They all take a look. They laugh awkwardly at this moment of shared panic they've all gone through. And then the house falls into a big hole in the ground. And <laughs> And 2020. There we go. <laughs> Jobs are done. What a great, what a great metaphor for it all. <laughs> a cold open where life falls from beneath your feet. Yeah, pretty much you thought you had your feet on the ground and everything was going great, and then your house is underground. Good <laughs> stuff, this. Almost, Michael, like fracking might not be a really good thing. 
who knew that was going to happen? Mm. And all the people who thought maybe peanut butter, I was just hearing a long-distance, high-frequency whistle. <laughs> <laughs> well, sadly, you were wrong, because this earthquake has happened. We have plunged underground, as the title of this episode suggests. And, I mean, you can only imagine good things are going to happen from this point onwards. Surely, what, what bad ever happened to people who went underground, right? Right? <laughs> it's done a very good job of establishing... Um, some of the people in the room, some of the things they could hypothetically struggle with if, let's say, this party was to fall under the Earth's surface. Uh, and now, oh no, it's happened. Um, Diane's, in particular, felt quite powerful in a moment of what she perceived to be her like her lowest ebb. Um, and just a, like a really great detail that I think I probably missed from that introduction while trying to get through all the stuff that was going on was just how highfalutin everybody was before that point. You had everybody in their ball gowns and their tuxedos. Um, obviously, the $20,000 cover charge, we know it's full of the great and good. And for those people specifically to have their comfort taken away, it was just so effective at capturing that panic, even though what we were watching was fundamentally quite a silly animation. Mm. Oh, really great stuff, this, because you know... Hollywood's a bad place anyway to begin mm. with that brings out the worst in people. But when we know we're going into a party that is, has a literal $20, a $20, $20,000 buy-in, it's like, that's quite <laughs> an expensive game to play, isn't it? I and mean, all these people are going to have, they're going to have the certain way, I think we've kind of figured out. But it was fascinating watching. I always often think about this where I imagine you're on an aeroplane or something where, and it's about to go down. What's the thing that what what does everybody suddenly try to get off their chest? Or what is it? What's your response? And I just love the way they get this real quick. And we obviously get a moment we've kind of suspected about Diane in particular. Just we kind of got the the idea of it during the Todd episode where Todd she had like a chat with Todd, didn't she, on the roof and basically yeah. explained the fundamental flaws of marriage to Todd <laughs> uh, before saying like, "But I'm really happy." <laughs> um, so we kind of expected this, but maybe not to come out in the way that it does. Mm. And it's extremely powerful in the fact that all these people who had a certain status, at least $20,000 worth of status, are all are literally at the bottom of the barrel again. Call them Jamiroquai, Michael, because they are going deep underground, my friend. It is Hollywood, and there is too much panic in this town. So let's yeah. go to uh, let's go to yes. day one, which is a lovely oh, title. No, bus. Oh, no, bus. <laughs> Uh, a title card flashes up saying day one and uh, everybody is trying to leave through the front door but obviously all the mud just like immediately sort of falls in realises, gives them that sense that they're blocked in and they're trying to create a sense of claustrophobia within the show obviously um, they rapidly realise they're all trapped Jessica Beale pitches uh, setting things and people on fire uh, within seconds of obviously feeling like she's trapped and Katrina spies an opportunity she tells Mr Peanut Butter to calm them down uh, but instead he reminds them that they might be running out of oxygen uh, Diane <laughs> is absolutely livid finally feeling justified to be able to um, express just how enraged she is about the whole fracking debacle and indeed Mr Peanut Butter's political campaign uh, and she just tries to escape to her bedroom to be away from at least everybody else it's still her own home even if it's now her own home underground um, she turns the light on the bedroom to find Bojack with what looks like every single bit of booze in the entire house he's already sort of stored himself away from everybody else uh, he says to her of course you can be mad with me or you can get drunk with me but you can't do both Dan replies with a swig of the bottle watch me uh, <laughs> Elsewhere, 
Princess Caroline comes out of the bathroom she was in to find just a collapsed world around her. The bathroom was in an outside space at the back of the house. So now that is completely detached from the rest of the group. Um, she also stumbles upon Todd, who was in the bath of the bathroom. Uh, he kind of didn't really realise the party was going on. He was just happy and relatively content. Um, but they both now realise they need to escape and they probably need to work together. Princess Caroline takes the lead as they push forward into the unknown of a, like a massive tunnel. They look far more separated from the rest of this group that are at least, at least have got each other, theoretically. Meanwhile, back in the main room, Mr Peanut Butter is failing to reassure all the trapped guests, but eventually manages to distract them quite ingeniously with the task of putting on a show. Obviously, a bunch of actors are suddenly thrilled with the prospect of getting to show off for a little bit as a way to fill a bit of time. Uh, and then he promises quite gleefully that they'll all be out of here in no time. Hard cut to day three card. We uh, Peanut Butter's plan sort of worked as we hit day three. Um, a monologue is just concluding uh, by an actor, which gets polite applause for a performance. Um, but the natives are getting restless, to say the least. Jessica Peel still wants to set people on fire, um, regardless of any of the developments we've seen in the background. Zach Braff just wants uh, a valet to bring him his car. He drives a Prius. Um, and Katrina, yet again, <laughs> tries to deal with Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, but that... Uh, attempt to get Mr. Peanut Butter to be this figure of leadership is broken up by a real one. Woodchuck could chuck Berkowitz, bulldozes through the wall and is here to save them. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter, upon greeting him, says, Oh, thank God, a leader. Uh, <laughs> as Woodchuck is like trying briefly to explain the situation to him, Diane and Bojack stumble into the room completely faced from their three days drinking in uh, but Woodchuck's here so it's all going to be absolutely fine he's going to dig them out personally because obviously he can uh, and he also knows that there's no state budget left after somebody insisted they build a bridge to Hawaii which of course <laughs> is just one of the many consequences of Mr Peanut Butter running against him in the first place uh, Woodchuck confirms to Peanut Butter that it's uh, just this house because of the fracking it's not an earthquake which they've all assumed, uh, which sends Diane off into yet another flying rage when appearing, mm. of course, settled on a booze. This has ticked it all back off again for her. Um, Katrina, in the meantime, uh, accuses Woodchuck of only doing this to play politics. Uh, but Mr. Peanut Butter, being earnest as he always is, is just too grateful to care about this anymore. He insists on three cheers for Woodchuck, despite Woodchuck urgently telling him that cheering could rattle the foundations and put them further and further <laughs> into danger plunge them even deeper into the floor but it's too late for that hip hip hooray hip hip hooray hip hip hooray with every cheer the ground shakes a little bit more but luckily luckily those three cheers aren't quite enough to shift it woodchuck breathes a sigh of relief so mr peter butter asks for a fourth cheer maybe unconventional but that's what he believes this time it closes the tunnel of woodchuck's digging hands as he's getting them out trapping him in there causing woodchuck to scream out in pain and for everybody to realize their certain doom uh meanwhile but we will get back to that todd and princess carolyn are looking for a way out um with Princess Carolyn, I should note here, quite interestingly, saying if Todd needs a new place to live once this is all over, he can have the couch at her apartment. Uh, she kept it, quote, just in case, after she moved in with Ralph. Um, but they encounter some very angry-looking insect creatures. Uh, they're around them, they surround them. This is looking pretty dangerous. But it turns out that they just need managerial services, meaning Princess <laughs> Carolyn effectively could be just who they were looking for. Um, back in the main room, with obviously... 
Uh, Woodchuck now absolutely knackered and unable to dig themselves to safety. Uh, Pinky Penguin shares yet more doom and gloom with uh, the fracking knowledge he picked up from commissioning quotes, the frack shack, <laughs> it's new girl meets fracking. Uh, the second of Pinky Penguin's failures this episode. Uh, Woodchuck reminds him that it's okay because as he said earlier on, somebody will come for them soon. And in the meantime, he's going to assign everybody roles and responsibilities. If that's the sound and sight of a power shift you can see, Spare a little thought for the actor who can feel it as he is certainly experiencing it as Woodchuck takes control. Uh, things have changed. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I can feel a shift in the power there, Mike. Oh, I got a bit excited. <laughs> yes, things are changing. Great introduction of Woodchuck, yeah. Brilliantly turns up to save the day and ends up... <laughs> he should have known. Come on, he should have known at this point. He's not dealing with with normal normal people yeah like <laughs> and a, a rule that my old man always taught me was you should never you should never ever go down to the level of the idiots because then you'll end up going down at their level and they'll beat you with experience it'll happen time <laughs> and time again and of course woodchuck comes down he literally buries on the ground goes down to their level and sure enough ends up getting defeated by four cheers which, <laughs> i mean something brilliant about that really isn't that um but yeah Mangle hands for all of his hard work. Thanks for that, Woodchuck. I think more importantly, though, is um, you can see straight away, can't you, just how this is not going away, this Diane and peanut butter stuff. And obviously he makes it worse by literally specifically telling them, no, no, it's just, it's very, very specifically your house <laughs> where the fracking is happening with peanut butter. And I also loved, as you mentioned there, just how overjoyed and relieved peanut butter is when he, in fact, turns up. When the fact a real leader in his words <laughs> has actually arrived to come and bring some sort of some sort of structure to it, and even he can't do it because again, look who he's dealing with. Look at the idiots he's dealing with across the board. Yeah, no, no good people in this. Not very many good people. Well, I think it's fair to say very, very few good people in this house overall. Well, you see, and you say that, but he is a man, of course, Woodchuck, who is experienced with dealing with these people above ground. So as we go to day four. He's doing an all right job of dealing with them underground too. Things are relatively rosy. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is dishing out ration food uh, with a hat that says food captain because, of course, he's got a job in this whole thing. Uh, it all gradually unravels, of course, because of Bojack Horseman. He's pissed. He shambles into the kitchen to just take what he likes, which goes against protocol of everybody having their rationed amount of foods to survive. Uh and in an effort back to uh, to swing authority back Mr. Peanut Butter's way, as this is going on, Katrina um, sort of chivies Peanut Butter into challenging Woodchuck's authority, challenging Woodchuck's rules that he's invented to basically keep everybody alive and safe. This mm. immediately, immediately causes panic and disorder. Yet again, sets in amongst all these sort of enslaved celebrities. Um, people then turn on Woodchuck, suddenly start chanting, peanut butter, peanut butter, whilst, I should point out, Bojack casually slinks off with the food. So he got everything he came for whilst creating the situation that he then suddenly walks away from. Um, back in the room with Bojack and Diane, uh, Diane is having an existential crisis about everything in her life. It's gone beyond the fracking. It's gone beyond being trapped underground. It's everything. Everything in her life is wrong. Um, she breaks down completely, starts crying, starts uh, wailing that she's a pit that everything falls into. She's the pit. She's the one being fracked. Um, things things settle down a little bit from there. And Bojack admits 
that he wanted to be better when he first contacted her. Of course, he rang her at the start of this episode, but this is the first time since returning to LA that he's actually reached out and got in touch with her. Uh, but then it occurred to him, he didn't think he was ever going to get better. So he might as well just get in touch with her. Uh, Diane's really quite sweet here. Um, she says, quote, I can't wait for you to be better um, because I need you in my life. Uh, and then she ends it with, because you're the biggest... You're the biggest asshole I know, and the only thing that makes sense to me. It's a moment of um, not sexual intimacy, but proper intimacy between two people that have got to know each other, have got to know each other, flaws included. Of course, Diana, her lowest, lived at Bojack's house. Now, was her lowest a product of living with Bojack or what? But either way, he's seen this before. So this is not unfamiliar territory to Bojack. Um, but it's just, like I said, quite a sweet moment. And then she sort of falls asleep, drunk, nestled into him on the bed. But at least she seems relatively at peace compared to how she was before, um, which isn't the case back in the main room. Uh, Woodchuck is trying to explain the complexities of leadership, uh, which is like a nice touch when we're dealing with the most farcical political leadership context, this side of, or like, hang on, a real presidential race four years ago. Um, but the brain, mob, the brain mob get lost in this inane, like literal, <laughs> literal point scoring game that Katrina has managed to orchestrate, where every time Peanut Butter says a platitude that gets a clap, that's like one more point for Peanut Butter, minus one point for Woodchuck. Even Woodchuck get sort of like sucked into it. Uh, Peanut Butter, again, quite pointed, reminds the crowd that he's a quote outsider, um, despite this happening inside his Hollywood house with other Hollywood celebrities. Uh, he's the outsider they all need. Things get a little bit edgy in that room. But before we can find out what's going to happen with that, we cut back to Diane and Bojack. Uh, they wake up still a little bit pissed, um, but talking this time about how Bojack is. He knows how tough it is after the death of Sarah Lynn and Herb. He has to be reminded of the death of Corduroy Jackson Jackson. Mm. Kind of <laughs> flippantly, rather flippantly pies it off with a, oh yeah, forgot about him. Because his life has just hit the skids like unrecognizably from wherever he was when he was first making Secretariat. Uh, and he goes on to explain to Diane for the first time the Hollyhock situation. Diane mentions to him some adoption forms, which she made way to her because her brother was adopted, that might help him locate Hollyhock's mother. Um, this feels like a nice place to stop because it's just a constantly moving episode, this. And when they get, when they get back to the chaos in the kitchen with peanut butter and woodchuck, um, but Diane and Bojack, I've gone from zero to 100 here. Nothing in season four. And then giant, like, emotional, well, like, exposition-laden bits of plot, bits of, like, sort of development between the two of them. So much being thrashed out in this room, having gone so long without any of it. You can see how much it means to both characters to finally have this back in their life. When they're doing so much thrashing out of their own, Michael, you do have to wonder how on earth does Bojack forget about the man who does, well, the man who strangled the dirty dangle <laughs> in Corduroy, Jackson, Jackson. And it just, you know, it goes to show you, doesn't it? It's a great way of, in a humorous way, I guess, if that's possible. Um, it's a great way of communicating just how much death and destruction have been in Bojack's life from season one all the way through till now. His receipts are building up, I think it's safe to say, in his wallet. And I don't like the, I don't, well, just, you just don't like the sound of it, do you? Doesn't make for good reading. But this is like, to be honest, I was kind of ready for some Bojack and Diana this season. Because yeah. I think we're, well, we're in, we're at episode seven now. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess all, well, almost the traditional halfway point, just over the halfway mark. And it just felt like it was about time that those two had something out. And it was nice, nice to see them. As always, there's going to be some, 
intensity there that's going to be sort of no words mixed but that really is a great bit of, like a really great bit of writing there because it sort of sums up you know maybe how a lot of people feel about a lot of people but mostly how I probably feel about you you're the biggest <laughs> asshole I know <laughs> and you're the only thing that makes sense to me you know you'll take it won't you but genuinely like that is if you wanted to sum this show up if you wanted to tell people about Bojack Horseman how do you describe the character that's a pretty good way to do it isn't it like yeah, that's a really yeah. really top a top way to do it like in this show ironically he is what the one person who seems to spot all the Hollywood phoniness mm. when nobody else does that's like a it feels pointed anyway like there's a strange compliment in there somewhere it's like, but an, I love elevator, the, it's like an elevator pitch for the show isn't it? yeah, you say, yeah, yeah that's, biggest, that's he's a, the biggest arsehole you'll spot, ever yeah. ever meet but it's the only thing that'll make sense in this world full of utter madness. Yeah. Because that's basically what they created. And somehow the talking horse will be the one who is the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> but hey, I didn't write the show. We are merely just here to indulge in it. But yeah, huge stuff this between uh, Bojack and Diane. Like we knew they were going to come, not the blows, but we knew they were going to come into contact at some point. And it didn't disappoint, as always. Sometimes people t- talk to me about this show and they say that it's just, it's just, people having conversations a lot, which is a fair, and if you break down the show, it's a fair analysis, but when it's this good, who cares, right? Yeah, I think um, they, and they know as well, when you're sort of referencing Bojack and Diane's conversation specifically, they know when to lean in on the conversations that matter uh, and how to like best spotlight and showcase them. I think, mm-hmm. yes, we've had to wait till episode seven and I'm with you. I've kind of missed it a bit. I, I wanted some more of it. But what a great thing to contrast it with, um, with what's with the chaos of what's going on in the living room and the next, like Princess Carolyn and Todd bit we're about to get to, it allows you to get the heavy stuff between them, the stuff that you really, ironically, because it's a fracking episode, that you really want them to drill into together, and then you get the slight escape. Uh, you go back into the silliness for a bit, and then it's back to them, and back to the silliness, and yeah. back to them. But I think like that's a really good way of not feeling like anything's lost between them. Mm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, and let's lose ourselves in Princess Carolyn and Todd's arc because it's about to get even stupider. Um, the insects that wanted management reputation, uh, rep- sorry, representation, uh, we're about to find out why that is. Uh, Princess Carolyn and Todd meet Queen Antonia, the leader of this group of insect soldiers, whatever they are, as it turns out to be. Uh, we come to learn they're called, they're called the Subcolony K147. Uh, they want better terms for all the hard work, or more specifically, to have sex with uh, Queen Antonia's drones, who, when we see the drones, are a trio of dancing party insects that are completely jacked, who Queen Antonia just throws orgies with all the time. The soldiers want some of that action. Who are we to hold that against them? And apparently, who is Queen Antonia holding against them? She agrees to hold a small council meeting around a big table, which obviously Princess Carolyn is able to broker. More on that a little bit later, but back to the chaos of the main room where jessica beale declares that uh mr peanut butter is the president for life of the underground uh, <laughs> obviously got himself over as enough of an outsider um this is <laughs> this moment is actually confirmed as fact by the orgasmic pleasure of the actor um and woodchuck is tied up by this insane mob as they yet again chant mr peanut butter's name uh he declares a free for all on all food and drink which of course takes us to the Bell Tolls title card, day seven. And everybody, everybody is starving and dying. 
Uh, Woodchuck is tied to a ceiling fan, watching it all go on, almost sort of crucified on it. Uh, and, <laughs> and Jessica Beale, you're going to like this, pitches killing somebody with fire for food. Hey! Uh, Zach Braff tries to bring the group together with a Scrubs-style monologue, a bit of a summary of what they've been through. Uh, so Jessica Beale creates a makeshift blowtorch with gas to the lighter and burns him alive. Uh, Beale declares... Quote, the rule of fire. The fire wants not for justice. The fire not wants not for reason. The fire desires only to be fed. Pinky <laughs> Penguin declares fire is new god. Orgasm guy goes again. And then Katrina even sides with it at peanut butter's expense. Uh, they're going to eat Zach Braff tonight and Mr. Peanut Butter tomorrow. So at least they've at least got a dining plan while they're uh, under the mm. rule of fire. Uh, you need a bit of structure, don't you? A bit of, uh, a bit of planning. Um mm. What is it they say? Piss poor planning presents proper procedure or something like that? It's either that or kill it with fire. Um, Diane and Bojack are still in the room, still drinking, still unaware. And they've made like a makeshift den. Now, they're not on the bed anymore. They've made like a den out of the bed sheets. And just towers of cans, towers of empty tins. Um, and they're kind of, again, like just talking through everything. You know, this is four days later. And this is how much they've had to talk about. Mm. Bojack says... Uh, He's realized the secret about being happy is pretending you're happy with everything until eventually you just stop pretending. I mean, it's a way to go. Um, but before that can get any further, Mr. Peanut Butter is thrown in the room with them by the angry mob. They drag Bojack and Di Diane back out with them so that only, quote, the prisoner remains. It's uh, it's getting dark. <laughs> it's getting dark, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what I'm saying, the fire's lit the darkness up, hasn't it? Yeah. The fire lit the darkness up. It's been dark since we started. That dragonfly's <laughs> arse had to light the room to begin with. It's not been very bright in this place at all from the word, from the word go. Interesting here how quickly, again, it's a, it's a great it's a great visual sort of um, commentary, isn't it, about how quickly all of this can turn sour when it comes to politics, when it comes to society, the world in general. And it does go real quick. Even the allegedly the most civilised of folk who end up getting turned and twisted by their own selfish needs for survival and whatever else. Um, it's like a one rare time, and probably because the weird Hollywood society structure has like disappeared during the time they've been down here, where stupid male in Hollywood, stupid males, if you think about it, really, with them, I say stupid, poor Woodchuck gets kind of put into the category, I guess, of being stupid. Stupid in the eyes of the people who disagree with him yeah. and peanut butter become the fodder. Poor Zach Braff, the men in Hollywood are not doing well, Michael, in the underground. Perhaps we need to stay here where they get more consequences for their actions, particularly with fire. I'm all about the fire in this episode. <laughs> just, I just wanted his Prius back. <laughs> just wanted validation, Michael. All he wanted was validation for his Prius. Poor, poor Zach Braff. And that, that monologue gag, I should state, is as someone who was banging his scrubs back in the day. <laughs> such a great way of using a sitcom and like stealing it for another sitcom, technically, mm. or sure that it's centered heavily around sitcom. Brilliant stuff. Really, really good stuff. We should point out as well, typically, as is always the case, like, and we didn't even, I don't think, I don't think we mentioned anyway, um, but this includes Felicity Huffman last week. Typically, when celebrities are cast in the most psychotic of lights, they are voicing themselves. And, you know, yes. Jessica Beale and Zach Braff absolutely knock it out of the park here when they're asked to completely, like, rip themselves to shreds in the context of their careers, in the context of Hollywood. Like, some strong, um, not that over the top 
vocal performances, if they'd have hammed it, this wouldn't have worked. They were very much themselves, and you could you could hear them in these ridiculous like manifestations of them. I think that's it, isn't it? The hammond comes from the the actual dialogue rather than the way they mm. deliver it. Like they deliver it as themselves. But I'm sure I remember reading that Jessica Beale, while they were doing this, was kind of saying to uh, RBW and Co. They should go harder. They, like she was like all in on this taking the piss out of herself. Basically, she wanted to hammer it up as much as possible. And he said there'd be times they would give her these lines for the episode, and she was like, "No, we need this to be worse. Needs to be more. Let's like <laughs> take the piss more out of me, essentially." Which I guess Michael we're probably going to find out about. <laughs> I wonder if she gets a writing credit for the fire must yeah. be fed. Um, <laughs> we're back to uh, well safer surrounds. Princess Carolyn and Todd are at the negotiation table with Queen Antonia. Um, there's a sex agreement being set up. <laughs> it's just terrificness. They agree to the sex with the trio of, uh, of drones, but it comes with a second orgy pickup pending the success of the first. Uh, it's a great deal for everybody, ultimately. Um, Queen Antonia, <laughs> I should point out, it is. it wasn't lost on me. Queen Antonia adores Todd because of course she does. Yeah. Everybody that has ever been in a position of authority literally loves the bones of his face like there's just something about Todd he's got a godlike quality um but the insects the insects now want rid of Todd and Princess Carolyn and all the celebrities uh, because they've experienced this before and they can't be doing with that goddamn underground gentrification when all the Hollywood celebrities get involved <laughs> Oh, you're going to get fake beaches you're going to get Christmas dinner in greenhouses get them out of there it's your domain get um, out <laughs> and more importantly, it's going to get in the way of all their orgies, which is what they've all signed up for in the first place. That's all Queen Antonia wants to get back to. It's just tons of insect sex. Uh, so, yeah, while there's complete normality and compromise in the insect underground world, in the celebrity underground world, things have gone from bad to worse. <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter is about to be burned at the stake, which, like, like let's cut to the chase, is a goddamn crucifix. He's there. Yeah. On a crucifix being burned alive. Um, <laughs> but again, a pissed Bojack and Diane uh, have dug further underground and have found water. They've believed if you just keep digging under the earth, you will find water. Um, immediately, the celebrities just turn on fire as obviously being something that is more powerful in water. Water becomes the new god. Water becomes the new leader. They all crowd around it, enjoying the water. Uh, when Woodchuck makes them realise that all they've done is hit a water pipe and instead of uh, like burning to death or running out the food, they're going to mm-hmm. drown. Instead, the water isn't stopping. Takes us to a day 10 title card where now every single celebrity still living is treading water. The water's coming up to their chins. Um, the house is, you know, just a, a series of floating objects and floating celebrities. Nothing more, nothing less. Until suddenly it is risen on its very foundations. Uh, the camera pulls out and we see that it's been slotted back into place from the hole it fell through by the insect soldiers that have come together, like the ants, perhaps, I guess they might be, um, that have all like, stood on each other's shoulders in various groups, motivated, I can only assume, by wanton orgies to, and to get rid of these people so they can get on, get cracking with the knacking, as Ant-Man and Deck Pet used to say. Um, the house has been like leveled up. The ants have dealt with the situation probably as a last thank you to Princess Carolyn and Todd. Um, it falls apart immediately, but at least they're alive. Um Jessica Beale says they're never discussing any of this again, which seems to get a silent agreement as all the celebrities just drift off in all completely different directions. And Katrina is straight in Mr. Peanut Butter's ear saying that he's back on the campaign trail tomorrow. Uh, 
Diane tells Mr. Peanut Butter in a moment of like genuine earnestness between a couple, uh, he's the best thing that's ever happened to her. Uh, and she's sorry she doesn't say it enough. Um, she agrees to support him running for governor. But even he admits at this point that he'd be a terrible leader and he just wanted people to like him. Um, suddenly, kind of without you even noticing, it's just the main five. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. For the first time in a long time, in fact, it's just the main, our main five characters, Princess Carolyn, Todd, Bojack, Diana, and Mr. Peanutbutt. Um, there is just such an insanely awkward cloud hanging over all the heads. They've all gone through something in this, what, 10, 11-day stint underground. Um which is obviously the last thing anyone can talk about. And in a desperate grab to talk about anything else, they all start discussing going for Ethiopian food. Princess Carolyn suggests that she should probably go home because Ralph's no doubt going to be worried about where she's been. Doesn't actually go, though. She just waits and lets mm. the conversation happen. Uh, <laughs> and it's Bojack the one that leads it. Talk about this particular type of uh, food there. And Bojack ends the episode <laughs> being the only one that actually seems legitimately okay going, yeah, that's sure is some good bread. Uh, and scene. Very, very good, this. Very, very good. Like, I was thinking when this happened and we got the moment where they're all at the, at the, stood together at the end there, mm. when was the last real time that the five of them were all just in that situation? Like, early on in the show, we would get them at, like, a party together or something, mm. or, like, yeah. you know, I remember them being at a fundraiser or something in the earlier seasons. And maybe my brain's just not fully thinking about recent ones. I'm sure there probably has been a big gathering. But in this specific context, where it's not a gathering, it's not anything else, it's just the five of them, in the real world, essentially the walls have dropped from around them all of everything else, and it's just those five who are left with each other. I just thought it was great. What a great way to end an episode that has been full of Hollywood madness, underground, yeah. and, and everything that's kind of come with it. It has been a trip to say the least at this point. <laughs> and I love that it's kind of a little nod this to the end of, um, if anybody watched the Marvel films, like the first the first Avengers film, that's kind of once they're done saving the world and all that, and mm. that there's just like so many of them left, they kind of discuss going for um, shawarma, I think it is, in, in, okay. in the film. 
And there's like a cute little bit where they're all just sat at the end having the shawarma, like not saying anything, just like eating that food and staring off into space after what's been an obviously very trying time. <laughs> and I, I kind of got the same vibe, yeah. They're kind of all, it's anything anything else but having to figure out anything that's just gone on <laughs> down there for the last however many days it is. It did. Like, it just felt like all of them were, again, all of them were going through that except maybe Bojack. He seemed, well, he seemed broadly fine. If you watch the animation of him as well, he's like, he's the only one who's kind of smiling and like nodding with his eyes wide open. He's like, hmm, yeah. Like, that was a nice that, way to He spend. thinks they're just talking about bread. He doesn't spot any subtext at all. Like, no. he just wants the I, bread. And I also think maybe the, kind of the gang back together in a weird mm. way. Obviously, you would never acknowledge that because that's not his cup of tea. But, like, the gang back together and they like, say, hey, everybody's here. Like, <laughs> I, can go, I can go for some food. That's the thing that's important right now. Uh, beer and loafing is what this is, isn't it? It's <laughs> lots of drink, lots of bread. <laughs> Uh, in, in Los Angeles instead of that that's yeah, close enough isn't it? it'll do um, I tried my best I have to ask you though I thought you were doing a gimmick throughout this when you were just referring to them as insects I felt like there was going to be a big payoff yeah mm-hmm. did you really not figure out that these guys were ants considering she was called Queen Antonia oh god damn it this is why you do horsing around I've embarrassed myself again haven't I um... I, was just, I was certain there was going to be some clever anecdote from you at the end of this episode and yeah one last thing about how Ants or the structure of a whole—I don't know what it was going to be. I thought you were deliberately avoiding calling them ants. I blew Toddy's god earlier in the season, and it's <laughs> stopped me thinking about anything else ever since. No, I'd, I'd only when they lifted the house, and I say only when they lifted the house. That would be uh, that would be bullshit. It was only when they lifted the house, and I read it back in my notes for this very record. Uh, yeah, uh, they are very clearly ants, and you have you have shown me the tell, and it was one I decided not to pick up in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anyway, anyway, that's my review of this week's edition of Bojack Manhorse. Wait a minute, the guy's a horse. What the hell is this? <laughs> Hang on a minute, I'm just starting to get this now. <laughs> yes, okay, I'll let you off that because they were very good notes you made from that episode. He says, condescendingly patting him on the head as he goes deeper underground in his well of shame. <laughs> However. I guess I'll get on. Hopefully, I've done a good job on my end now, so I don't have you coming back at me at the end of this episode <laughs> saying, well, what the hell were you doing? You had one job. <laughs> you had one job, Woodchuck. God damn it. Save the people. Anyway, yes, it's that time of the episode now that we're finished with Michael's Hollywood stars, if you like to call it. Celebrities, what do they know? They know things. Well, we have found out. So let's go and do the horse around segment of the show. Where we go back to the beginning of the episode, we go through it. I will pick out all of the hidden meanings behind things, the small details you might have missed, any Easter eggs maybe that have been dropped in the episode. And actually, we're all a good laugh and a good time. Who knows? <laughs> so we go back to the very beginning of the episode. Underground it is. And we are in Peanut Butter's house first before we go anywhere. Um, and if you, when we first attend this, when everything's hunky dory, Michael, to a certain extent, we find ourselves <laughs> greeted by a few things. Bojack pulls up to the house to find the dog valet who is standing in front of the house at his little valet box outside of Peanut Butters. And, of course, the dog valet who we've met before from Elefante who spends ages chasing the keys as Princess Carolyn and Bojack are in the middle yes. of their argument, if you recall, thrown away. He's the valet for the night. Obviously found some new work at this sort of little soapbox that's been made, essentially, that, to, to house him on. It's really great. But as you'll notice, there's a bunch of cars that he's parked and they've all got registrations, Michael. To, it might suggest something to do with this party. Uh, there's a registration that says, Chiching, 
There's a, ref, a, re, a, regist, a registration that says GOT dollar sign, got money. There's another one that's called Gold Bar. <laughs> and then there's another one, Michael, that if you were paying attention, you would have given yourself a clue that just says Braff. And believe it or not, that's attached to the Prius that's oh, in the car park. Um, I can't imagine who that belongs to. I hope it gets validated, Michael. <laughs> Um, we go in, inside the house, though, at this point. A few little bits, yeah, a few little bits. We first, The, the first thing I, asked, I noticed was um, Diane getting these little muffins. There seems to be a bit of a gag, yeah, where she goes, gets offered the muffin initially, she doesn't have it, and then when she does go to take the muffin from the mm. plate of the waiter who's offered her it, it just, the second she tries to pick it up and bite into it, it just completely deflates. The <laughs> muffin just completely, like, the air drops out of it. It's almost like the skin of a muffin at this mm. point. I can't help but feel like that was a little, well, one, a clue to what was to come in terms of it's yeah. all going to go south. Really. <laughs> but also just the fakeness that's sort of surrounding the whole party in terms of this is the fakest scenario you're going to get. All these Hollywood stars and celebrities just paying some money to go and hobnob for the night, yeah. which was kind of a really nice illustration that. We also get a few good trademark Mr. Peanut Butter gags here, as always. Peanut Butter approaches his wife and says, uh-oh. Am I in Ithaca? Because you are looking gorgeous this evening, <laughs> which is, of course, a reference to the Ithaca Gorges, the waterfalls and stuff that are in, as Google will tell me, Michael, mm. Cascadilla Gorge Trail. There you yeah. go. That sounds convincing enough. Not to be confused with Quesadilla Gorge Trail, Michael. <laughs> Just a whole other catfish. <laughs> but his wife isn't quite as good at these little anecdotes as he is, Michael, unfortunately, because she says... Well, I must be in Nazi Germany <laughs> because you're not so bad yourself. <laughs> Which is a close, I'll have to It's pretty close. It's just maybe not what we were looking for, unfortunately, in this one. <laughs> um, Mr. Peanut Butter does, however, talk on the, uh, on the mic and gives a little speech where he talks and says thank you to his pro-fracking pals before we get a cut to an elephant man who is drinking a cocktail in a cocktail glass and, like, puts his trunk in the glass and sucks all of the contents of the glass out, I guess, to mimic the motion of fracking, perhaps, Michael, mm. digging into the ground and yeah. removing all the good stuff, which is going to put them in the this sort of terrible situation that they end up moments later. So we've had a muffin gag, yeah? We've had a drinks gag. The signs were there. The signs yeah. were there for everybody to see. They just were too busy doing that Hollywood bullsh, Michael. <laughs> um, but we also get a brilliant gag. You mentioned when everything starts going to hell and there's a lot of people shouting out things, they're panicking, people are admitting things that they've never said before. And there's a woman, as you said, who, who shouts out, I have no original ideas. I just repeat things I hear. Well, of course, Michael, it's a parrot woman, isn't it? Oh, Who's nice. In the party. It's a parrot woman, and she, and as soon as that person flies past and says whatever they say, she then immediately repeats that afterwards. <laughs> She's a parrot, Michael, and that's just what they do. You will find, yeah, and I'm going to give you the heads up, there's a bunch of character choices that have been made in this episode that are quite specifically, like, I can imagine them at the, at the creative writing table going, Let's put that in so we can do this gag later on. That's literally, that's it. But mm. it's it's wonderfully done. The parrot one pays off there. We're about to get a few more. Because as you might have noticed, as we go past the opening credits and go back into the show, um, mm. there was a dragonfly who was on the door, wasn't there? He was the doorman yes. who was forcing Bojack to pay the money to get in. Well, of course, he was a dragonfly, Michael, for the pure purpose of when they get there, as I mentioned earlier, 
he's the one who lights the room up to begin with, and that's the only reason he's a. It doesn't, <laughs> there's no purpose for him to be a dragonfly other than later on he's going to pay off because his butt is going to light up the whole room while everybody is underground. And again, as you will notice, anybody who's looking at the guests, there's a few different kinds. One of them just so happened to be a sheep, Michael, a sheep mm. guest who was there, who is literally just in this mix-up so he can say the line as they go underground and he's checking his mobile phone. Is anyone getting any bars? I'm not getting any bars. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Job done. He doesn't need to say anything else because he's just oh. done the one job that he was put there for, and he's done it really well, actually. So fair and enough. That's the way the news goes. The way the news goes. <laughs> um, Peanut butter though is back at his bull again because he says <laughs> to Diane when they're talking about whose fault it is that this has happened. He says, "Well, at least we know no one is specifically at fault. Well, except for San Andreas, which." To anybody who doesn't really know anything, won't have picked up on it. But if you're American, maybe, or maybe you just know your, you know your history. Um, the San Andreas Fault, of course, is a continental transform fault, which I totally knew, by the way. Honest. <laughs> it extends roughly 1,200 kilometers through California, of course. And it's, it forms the tectonic boundary between the Pacific Plate and the North American Plate, which, for anybody who's pretty thick like me, basically means this is the reason for stuff like earthquakes. We all know about <laughs> tectonic plates crashing into each other. And, of course, we get the earthquakes, which makes perfect sense. We go. It's almost like these writers know what they're doing or something. Who knew? <laughs> we go to, uh, technically, we're in Peanut Butter and Diane's bedroom. has left him. And Jack and Diane are in there. They're drinking loads of alcoholic beverages. And they're all over the room. All the usuals we've seen before. We've got Guten Bourbon that's kicking around. We've got the books, cans of beer that Bojack drinks. There's also a, an interestingly notable one, Michael, which is called Cranston, the can is called, um, which I immediately assumed, and if anybody wants to correct me, please do, at Podcast Horseman, if you've got any more thoughts. I figured this might have been a Breaking Bad reference, you see, mm -hmm. because Cranston BF, I start as, of course, Brian Cranston's name, immediately came to mind, Brian Cranston and his ties with Aaron Paul and yeah. Breaking Bad, etc. But also, Michael, what happens in season one of Breaking Bad? Like, if you recall correctly, they use the wrong kind of bathtub or, or the acid on a bathtub, and the bathtub falls in on itself with all mm. the body that's inside, the, the, the body they're trying to get rid of. They pour acid on it, and it all just falls through the ceiling, doesn't it? And yes. it all collapses in on itself, much like the house that they are in right now. Yeah, in this episode. nice. Yeah. From, the, from the top downwards and plunges. That's just me digging deep, if you will. Um, and I think that might be why it is. Or maybe, Michael, it's just the name of the beer. <laughs> just, <laughs> who the hell knows? Anyway, we go across to, again, technically, the pool house or whatever's left of it. Princess Carolyn and Todd are both in there. Great little subversion of a typical Bojack line here. Princess Carolyn says to Todd, as she pulls back the bath curtain just to reveal that he's in there, probably is doing some bath math or something, <laughs> says to Todd, what are you doing in there? <laughs> oh, a nice, cute subversion, of course. We're used to everybody in this show saying, what are you doing here? Well, she breaks the habit. And I think it might actually have broken the habit full stop because I can't remember recently too many of those being said. But I thought it was a cute gag nonetheless. Um, I also thought it was funny when Princess Carolyn and Todd were trying to figure out how to get through it all. She says, sometimes life is like the second season of Friday Night Lights. You've got to push through and hope there's better stuff ahead. <laughs> Which is, is a great little nod. Obviously, again, for anybody who doesn't know, Friday nights being the American sports drama, television series about the high school football team. 
settler. From there, though, we go back to Mr. Peanut Butter's house in Tyria. We, yeah, uh, I thought just a quick one this, but I just thought the parrot calling Jessica Beale a less famous Michelle Monaghan was such a great little <laughs> guy. Just because really, she's absolutely spot on. Like the where I would have had those two in my mind. Yes, <laughs> well done, parrot. That was a good original thought you've had, which maybe you've mimicked from somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting one now, though, for you, Michael. Here's one for you. Uh, Woodchuck, when he turns up, he bursts through, doesn't he? He's burrowed into the ground, turns up to save the day. Here he comes to save the day. And he shouts at the top of his voice, Vox Clamantis in deserto, doesn't he? He shouts yeah. at the top of his lungs. Now, for anybody who's done that homework, ha, me, I should point out, uh, that actually translates to the voice of one crying in the wilderness, of course, all of the gang who are in here who are in great need of help. However, there's more of this. There's a bit more of this. How about this for a little... Uh, I was going to keep calling it a deep dive or a, a bigger dig into this, but here we go. <laughs> Vox, Vox, uh, Vox Clementis is a Latin poem, Michael, of 10,265 lines in the league cu- couplets, whatever the hell that means, <laughs> by Joe And it's more interestingly, though, that it's the first of seven books... Uh, it's a dream vision giving a vivid account of the Peasants' Rebellion, Michael, of 1381. Now, if you do a bit more digging into this one, as I did, you'll find out that the Peasants' Rebellion of, 90, of 1381 was a major uprising, Michael, across large parts of England. Ignore that. But more importantly, the revolt had various causes. So all these people who had uprising, hey, and it sounded familiar. Like um, this, like in this. Revolt had various causes, including, but certainly not limited to, socio-economic and political tensions and instability within the local leadership of London in this. Mm. But of course, maybe more close gap inside the leadership of this very underground world, which the fire will try to take uh, the lead on later on. Because, Michael, who would want to argue with the fire? That's a hell of a catch. Um, and I remember studying the Peasants' Revolt at school. And no, I was... you don't. How old are you? On, uh, I was I was actually in it. I was one of the peasants. I was one of the peasants. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, but again, you're the one that is really good with the facts on this. When the peasants just asked for their bit of freedom and a bit of like sort of financial support and socio-economic support, the response they got, I think, was suck a dick dumb shits. That's exactly. I've got it written. Yeah, that was the next thing. I can't believe you've got that. It all That's ties exactly. together. It was put on a big banner which said suck a dick dumb shits and have suck and dick in massive bold letters is what it said <laughs> on the actual banner. But uh, incredible catch that. Really, really well done. You've nailed it there, my friend. <laughs> but I also have written down here, much like we're popping now, just how funny it was that Mr. Peanut Butter was so happy when Woodchuck turned up about saying, oh, thank God, a leader has actually turned up. He's so unable to actually lead this gang. He's not really cut out for the politi- political life, is he? No. Um, we get a great transition shot. It moves away from Peanut Butter's house over to where um, the tunnels where Todd and uh, Princess Carolyn are. And on the way through, Michael, is a, a skeleton of a dinosaur who's on a skateboard with a helmet on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a gag. Now, I again, much like we had that one in the West or the, the where Bojack was, you know? Yeah, yeah. We couldn't figure out what the skeleton was there. And again, I've tried and I've hunted through. And apart from a few tenuous ties, couldn't really get any. I wonder if it's just the references that even as far back as the dinosaurs, we had dinosaur people, uh, yeah, which was like maybe the gag. Um, but maybe not. So if you can mm-hmm. think of something that ties with that or some kind of character that we aren't thinking of, please do let us know at 
podcast horsemen. Uh, we go to the tunnel, so as I mentioned, with Todd and Princess Carolyn. Brilliantly here. We've mentioned Todd's tattoos before, that he got in prison and have since stuck with them throughout mm. the entire uh, show. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, though. Maybe we have, but this doesn't feel like it yet. He's actually made some alterations to the tattoos, Michael, now. They used to read, uh, on one arm, he'd have, obviously, the Latin Kings, which was one of the gangs he was part of, and the other used to say Skinheads, the other gang. He was to and fro in between prison in when he was trying to keep everybody happy. He's now changed them, which looks like he's done it with pen as well, so I don't know how <laughs> like, long-term this would be. But the Latin Kings now just reads L.A. Kings. He's like scribbled out the word tin. And on the other side, the skinheads now reads skinny jugheads. <laughs> <laughs> Read it that whatever you will, but I, I guess he's found a fix for that one to a certain extent. Uh, we go back to the kitchen area, though, where everybody is. And all, as you can see on the kitchen top, oh, excuse me. As you can see in the kitchen top, all of the food supplies have been divided out. And I just mm. thought, what a very Hollywood division this is. Like, you know, you're in a, at a time when you're in desperate need. Imagine in the in World War One or Two, they were listed like this. You've got a section for still water. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. You've got a section for sparkling water. <laughs> okay. There's another section for gluten. <laughs> <laughs> and on the very far side, there's a section for plant-based foods. <laughs> And I'm not saying that they didn't have dietary requirements during the wars, but imagine mm-hmm. someone who's desperate for rations and they're like, well, hang on there. We've got these split into these very specific <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine it would have happened. Um, but also, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter brilliantly, of course, as you mentioned, dubbed on his hat with a note that's been stuck on by Solitaire, the food captain, of course, which I guess makes him food captain peanut butter. Much like his older brother, Captain Peanut Butter. Oh, yes, very good. Does this mean he's one-upped him now because he's got another prefix before Captain? I don't know. Uh, thoughts yeah. on a postcard with that one? I'm sure in his head, maybe it just makes him equal. Because all dogs are equal, Michael, until they're not. <laughs> um, also, I've mentioned it, yeah, you've mentioned it a million times, but the, the tiny orgasms with every power power shift gag is just brilliantly used <laughs> in this episode. They're all various points. There's a couple of recurring gags that... Uh, and Zach Braff's desperation for validation with the ticket that he never gets is also another brilliant one. Um, but we go across to Peanut Butter and Diane's bedroom again, to more Bojack and Diane. You've mentioned these already, but just a little a nod to when Diane says, I'm a pit, when she's in the middle of crying. Just thought it was really interesting that finally she has announced herself as one of the tar pits of Hollywood, if you will. Mm, a continued yeah. nod of that coming in. Uh, I'm I'm the pit, which has always been Bojack has felt like the pit, but in this one, Diane seems to be describing herself as it as Michael, while she's crying, all of her mascara is running down her face, looking like black tar coming out of her eyes almost. Yes. Uh, which I thought was quite nice. Um but we go across uh well I say we go across, we're technically still in the bedroom, but the time has moved forward a little bit. This popped me to absolute no end, this did. Um this was Diane, which is drunkenly trying she wakes up lying on Bojack's chest and sort of trying to wake Bojack up. She says Bojack's name twice and the third time she says his name a brilliant delivery from Alison Brie where she just kind of goes she goes like Bojack 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 <laughs> <laughs> a strange inverse of tenses listen back to it though it had me in absolute stitches along with her trying to tell him that she can juggle but she says did you know I can jungle <laughs> <laughs> Which makes perfect sense, I guess, when you're drunk. Only to be topped later on when she's explaining the adoption papers to Bojack. And she basically says, 
in the most dumbed down version of this ever, how if you send away the, the, like for an open parents agreement or whatever it is, where one parent can tell the other one that they're open to letting the child know, and if the mother is okay, fine. She describes this as, I want to be open now. If mom says same thing, boom, babu, smoping sesame. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just absolute gibberish, ridiculousness. As I have already mentioned, though, we go back across to the ant colony headquarters mm. I've written down here, because what else am I going to call that? The lair of the ants? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and just, Michael, it's Queen Antonia, because she's mm. an ant, you idiot. I know. Like, that's... I know. <laughs> How what, a, it, what a self own yeah, that was. Well, that's another, that's two for you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Quick. Oh, I've been caught with my ants down there. Oh, God, get out, get out, get out, get out! <laughs> we go back to the kitchen area, though. And as I mentioned to you earlier, a few of these payoffs for why certain people and things were picked in this episode. Well, the lobster waiter who's there for the whole night was trying to, the one who was trying to give Diane a muffin at the very beginning of the episode. Why is he a lobster, Michael? Because when everyone starts to go mad and they decide we need to kill someone for food, who else is the camera going to oh. pan to? Yeah. But the lobster waiter, who, of course, would be the perfect delicious snack for everybody who's losing their goddamn minds. I've also written there that the Zach Braff monologue gag is very, very good because, of course, it is. Players on that wonderful trope of everything's going to be all right. I'm going to wrap it all up in 30, 30 minutes or less, Michael, yeah. and I'm going to be the one who tells you it's fine at the end. But, of course, we know it doesn't happen. He gets burned alive, which, I, <laughs> to my recollection, doesn't happen to him in any of the episodes of Scrubs. <laughs> I think I would remember that one. Um we also get Jessica, <laughs> Jessica Beale when she's bollocking peanut butter after she's decided that he's the one in the wrong and he's a prisoner now and he's going to be meal next. Let's put him away. She says to the people who've got hold of him, take him to his spot and make him stay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a dog, Michael. I didn't know oh. if he'd got that one or not. I know it's been a tough episode for you, this, but he is a dog. So that, it, that joke does make you get it. <laughs> Do you get the joke? <laughs> oh, you have absolutely sent me for a walk there. Like, oh, good lord, good lord, go away from me, please. Go away. <laughs> um, we go back to Prince Princess Butter. Look what you've done to me now. This is you, <laughs> Princess, Princess Butter. Butter. Who's that cat? To, who's that cat? Mr. Peanut Princess. <laughs> it's all gone wrong, yeah. It's all gone wrong. We go back across to Princess, I've done it again, to Peanut Butter. And Diane's bedroom. He's not even in the scene, goddammit. Just a great it's what, guy. It's what I, it's what I, no, no, enough from you. We've had enough from you. It's what a cat would do when it would flick, flick, flick a ball. You need to go away now. <laughs> Be gone. Bad dog. Bad dog. We go to... <laughs> I was going to do it again. To peanut butter in Diane's bedroom. And as a brilliant gag, yeah, every time Diane shouts, what's going on? Bojack interrupts with a murmur in the background where he just shouts out a person who has made a song that's titled <laughs> What's Going On? So as Diane shouts, what's going on? He just goes, Marvin Gaye. <laughs> and then she does it again. He says, Four Non Blondes. <laughs> <laughs> of course, both songs by Marvin Gaye and Four Non Blondes. Brilliant little gag, this. I would like to have had more of that throughout the episode, to be honest. Yeah, but so. hey, we got enough, I suppose. Uh, we go back to the negotiations now between uh, Princess... Carolyn, God damn it, I was going to say Princess Peanut Butter there, and Queen Antonia. Um, brilliantly, Todd, who of course is just there doing Todd things, who's supposedly been paying attention, but he's just, if you notice, 
you'll see that he's been writing some notes during this uh, negotiations. And the notes are a picture of him as an ant with the title that just says Ant Todd. <laughs> <laughs> picture of Todd with like six arms or whatever it is, oh. just doing away, having a good time. And um, as you mentioned, I've just noted there, the Queen Antonia obviously likes Todd, Michael, because everybody likes Todd. And he has that weird quality that people want to touch him and grab his face. And this is no different here. So apparently this even applies to ants, not just to Kelsey and any other human in the show. And finally, uh, just outside, as we finally get above ground once again, there's a quick little gag of two people who are walking by. Um, you'll see it's a, it's a woman who's dressed in Todd's clothes. Like she's got the Todd, everybody. We've had Warner every episode since Todd became a fashion icon. No different, yeah. A woman dressed up, and another woman who's a snake, all dressed up in sort of a fancy dress. They walk past and they scoff at the house. But apart from that, Michael, those are all of your things for horsing around this week. All of the tiny little guys. Like I said, some funny ones, some just observational. Others just, just pop me, really. Nothing to do with anybody who's <laughs> listening to the show. But we do still have time, allegedly, for one last thing. And then I swear to God... I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second, my uh, own? I'll go first, I think. Go on. Just yeah, a quick go on. one. Just a quick one. Um, the very first thing I said in this episode was Bojack calls Diane, um, and that implies a level of stability that he's been desperately looking for. Mm. And what happens when he calls her? Everything goes unstable, and the ground falls below him. Was this a little nod that Diane is no longer the, well, what would be the phrase? I guess the grounding, the foundation, maybe, the pillar, all these things that he associates with keeping his life, like, level. Uh, is Diane no longer that? And were those two things connected? I just thought that was uh, quite a cute thing. Of all the times he could have rang her, it was when the floor was about to fall below the pair of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a great call, that. And the first time we see them get together, really, in fact, not... Not yeah, just the first time this season in general, isn't it? Um, a disaster happens, chaos. Yeah. Like, and despite the fact, it's weird, isn't it? Because we find that there's comfort between the two in this episode. Mm. They kind of hash out the differences, but also Diane and being uh, Diana, sorry, Diane and Bojack, not the best combo as we've seen in previous episodes and previous seasons. Um, and maybe a reminder, as you say about that, just how destructive the, those two can be together. Yeah. Unfortunately, mine is a little bit less serious than that. Mine is just something I noticed right at the end of the episode, which I thought was great. As if we hadn't seen it enough, maybe this will give him the validation that he was looking for, Michael. Because at the very end of the episode, as all of the walls have fallen down, bar one in Peanut Butter's house, you will notice just in the background there's a little doodle on the wall that says, Wish I wasn't here, ZB17. <laughs> <laughs> which is of course a little note that's been left by Zach Braff who of course is now dead because he's been burned alive R.I.P. in peace Zach R.I.P. in peace ZB17 my friend <laughs> gone but certainly not forgotten hopefully you've gotten validation in the afterlife who knows <laughs> sure you'll have a nice time up there anyway that's everything that's everything of this episode apart from our last little bit of plugging for the show because hey Mama's got to eat and daddy needs a new pair of high tops. I don't know. That'll do. Not that we get paid. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let that (laughs) be interpreted by you and our listeners any which way they see fit. But in the meantime, if you have enjoyed this and maybe want to talk more about Podcast Horseman, more about Bojack Horseman, please do feel free to give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman where we encourage you 
to send us your messages about the show. Let us know if you're enjoying the podcast in general. Let us know your thoughts about anything and everything to do with this show and with Bojack. We just want to encourage a community, more people to watch the show, more people to talk about it, and to talk themselves horse, more importantly, about a talking horse. And if you'd like to follow either of the two morally able podcasters you've heard tonight, is that, is that a fair description? I don't know how that'll do. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we encourage you to subscribe. We can follow us along on Spotify. You can subscribe on Acast. You can listen on Amazon Music, and you can leave us uh, feedback, ratings, all that good stuff. It helps us get found. It helps more people talk themselves horse about a talking horse, and we love getting your feedback especially with those five star reviews i always say every week uh you can leave something nice or something nasty but don't be too nasty don't be too much of a punisher because i've only got petals for armor so if you want to leave us something nice i'd be very appreciative of that which is what rachel batolo left us uh, a five star review thank you very much rachel we believe you already have earned one of your stars for a twitter retweet where you're about to get a second in the hollywood talk of fame with your feedback that says you guys have me hooked uh, this podcast was the reason I've started watching due to my infinite love for Adam and Michael. I'm so happy to say after each great episode of the show, I put this podcast on to get a deeper analysis and catch everything I missed. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for mm. and your support of all of us at What Culture and indeed myself and Adam through Podcast Horseman. Uh, a star will be winging its way to you very soon. Yes, thank you as always to Rachel and to anybody else who has indeed um, this so far this season or previous seasons either retweeted the show or given us five star reviews we love them they genuinely do help us so mm. much and as I mentioned earlier on Michael I have heard rumours whispers dare I say it floating around the night sky that perhaps perhaps sometime very soon very soon in fact the Ziggy Stardust may be making an appearance <laughs> sprinkle a little bit of magic around the ears and eyes of our listeners regarding some Hollywood stars that I think we can all probably agree that we're, the one thing we're all on the same page about is it's beyond a fucking joke now. How long it's <laughs> and I agree with you. Don't worry. I'm with you all. Trust me. So I'm on it. And they will, they will be getting dropped at an undisclosed time, but they are done and they will be coming very, very soon. Also, however... Things are going to be a little bit different over the next couple of weeks for Podcast Horseman. Not the usual thing, as you all have probably gathered. It's going to be the holidays. It's going to be New Year after that as well. And we thought we'd mix things up a little bit. Michael, you have a little bit more, perhaps, regarding this and the plans for what we're going to do with Podcast Horseman during the holiday season. Yes. So, as you will be aware, if you've listened along with us this far at this point, a new episode will drop every Friday at the Ad Podcast Horseman Twitter account through ACAS where you can listen to all that good stuff. And that won't change, but the episode will a little bit. A uh, very brief break to come from our episode reviews. We'll pick up, of course, with Season 4, Episode 8 in the new year, in 2021, uh, where maybe one day this show won't be socially distanced. Uh, but in the meantime... <laughs> Uh, there will be an episode for you on Christmas Day if you are so inclined to want to refresh your podcast feeds or refresh your Twitter feeds or however you listen to your podcast. We'd love you to check us out uh, and spend a, a little bit of time on Christmas Day. And it will just be a little time. We'll call it a little Christmas bonus. Something Ooh. will drop in on December 25th. So it's there if you want or particularly need it. How very exciting indeed. And again, another rumour I've heard, can't confirm or deny, that maybe coinciding with that little special podcast drop in, who knows, maybe the stars will come out that night. Who knows, Michael? Who knows? But also, I do have a little bit of information for you for the week after that as well. 
Uh, there will be, again, it's going to be New Year's Day at this point, so we won't be doing, just to clarify again for anybody who hasn't quite picked up the specifics, there will not be a proper Podcast Horseman next episode, which would be episode eight of season four. We won't be doing that until, so not next week, not the week after that, but the week after that. So that'll yes. be like the 8th, is it? 8th of January. 8th of January, normal 8th, service will be resumed. Yeah. 8th of January, normal service will resume. But on New Year's Day, we will also have another special episode with a bit of a twist. Michael's got one plan, one idea he's got for the Christmas, which is all him. And then on New Year's Day, I've come up with something which will be all me, I guess. But it's going to be fun and something that maybe might help you during the holiday seasons that might may or may not be interactive. Who knows? Again, yeah. lots of mystery going on here. But yes, normal service will resume on January the 8th where we will get back to this and it will be season four, episode eight. But I'll wait to give you the synopsis until we get to the week before that. That makes sense? Good. Sounds if it doesn't, well, you should have been listening more, shouldn't you? <laughs> get that wax out your ears. Anyway, listen, we won't catch you properly, I guess, until next week and I'm sure I will say plenty of it. But just a little bit ahead of time, why not? I hope everybody's in a good enough place and hopefully you can have a nice build-up to the holidays and are in maybe switch your brains off from all of the negatives for five minutes and can hopefully enjoy it and have a nice time, I guess, is is the message coming from Podcast Horseman on the build-up to Christmas to or whatever holiday it is that you celebrate. Um, and until that time, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. 